What's up, everybody? Welcome into the F6 Football Podcast. Cam Copeland here joining you as always with Alex Roglin. And man, we are heading into the last week of the regular season. And boy, we are excited. Alex, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Cam. I'm doing well. Um, I can't believe it's already the last week of the season. That in itself is honestly pretty amazing. But it's, uh, you know, we it's a new year, 2024. Uh, so, you know, as of, as of now, you know, the, the, the still defending Super Bowl champions are the Kansas City Chiefs. But that, of course, was in 2023. So it's 2024 now and anything can happen. Yeah, Happy New Year, everybody. Hope everyone stayed safe throughout the holiday season. Time to get back to work, as we we both did today. At least I did. Alex, are you you getting back in the swing of things? I am. Yep. Daily life. Yep, back, back to the old grindstone today, my friend. Yep, and that's that's how it is. But at least we get some time today to talk about some football. And let's start off by just recapping uh, some of the games last week, because. Because there were some some great games, some not so great games, some maybe debatably controversial games, um, and let's let's go ahead and start with uh, the Jets Browns because that that was Thursday night, and all I want to say is that the Browns, even when with Joe Flacco at the helm, they look like a scary team for anyone to face. I, it, they still have debatably the best defense in the NFL. Now the Jets put up 20 points, but the Browns just handled them uh, through and through. And I think that they they have a lot better of a shot at uh, upsetting some of these teams in the playoffs than a lot of people may think. Yeah, that was a that was actually a pretty entertaining game. I think the well, at least it was at first. In the first quarter, I think each team scored, I think, a touchdown on their first like couple possessions. So it was looking like it was going to be a back and forth sort of game. But yeah, certainly the second half, the Browns, you know, really broke away and took care of business. But you know, the Browns are um, you know, I mean, we we talked, you know, we talked with them quite a bit, and you know, they they really have a complete roster. And the thing they were lacking early in the year was consistent quarterback play. Um, you know, and, 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 and the crazy thing is here we are with their old rival, uh, Joe Flacco, who some people are even probably shocked to even hear he was still in the league. Um, and, and he's been a little up and down. He hasn't been, you know, but, but he certainly raised the ceiling over what the quarterback play was earlier in the season. So I definitely think that the Brown, the Browns, I don't know if they're locked in to that, uh, five seed. They're either locked in or, or, or I, I think they probably already are. So I don't even. We'll see. I, I don't. Are they not locked in the five? So. Okay. Uh, they might be, but uh, they have eleven wins, and then the right. Bills uh, or the Dolphins also have eleven wins. Okay, so I don't know what would happen yeah. between those two teams, but the worst they could be is the six seed. Um, you know, so they're going to be playing either that would be that would really have them playing either the four seed or the three seed. Um, so either way, they're they're going to be a. Uh, I think they're going to be a tough out in the first round of the playoffs, no doubt. Yeah, and you know that that game, uh, maybe the first couple drives that looked back and forth, but Brown scored thirty four points in the first half, so they they really did end up handling business early. Only six total points were scored in the second half. It just defensive slugfest over the latter half of that game. But the most impressive thing really is, you know, Joe Flacco in five games has over sixteen hundred yards. And 13 touchdowns. Now he has eight interceptions, right? He threw three of them against against mm-hmm. the Bears. But uh, 
he's just putting up some absurd numbers o- over this time. And honestly, it just puts more uh, <laughs> more of a negativity towards how Deshaun Watson was performing, right? Because there was a lot of, of hope sure. that he yep. could start improving, start getting back to his old form. But seeing Joe Flacco come in here and light things up uh, just really shows how poorly Deshaun Watson was performing earlier in the season. Yep. Yeah, I agree. And 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 we and it'll be curious to see what happens in the offseason, right? It, it, you know, I think it'll it'll be curious to see how how deep of a run this Browns team can make and then what they decide to do next year. Because even if they can get hot and win some playoff games with Flacco, he's obviously not the long-term solution. And we've already seen that the Broncos are, are, are already clearly going to move on from Russell Wilson and just eat the cap hit. Um, and so, you know, they, they're going to probably pay him to go away. And so it'll be interesting to see, you know, if the Browns decide to take a similar type of approach. Browns can't do that, though, man. They have 200, and, 200 million dead cap if they yep. cut him. And that's 137 million against the cap in 2024 alone if they decide to cut him next year, which they literally could not do. There is not enough room for them to cut him. Therefore, he is on the team through probably through 2026. Um, I, I don't see how they could, you know, and that's the last year of his contract. It was fully guaranteed. Uh, there's yep. one void year in 2027, taking nine mil of the, the hit. But besides that, you know, his cap number over the next three years is 64 million each Oof. year, uh, rounding up. And yep. that, it's just going to be like that. There's not much that they can do to finagle those numbers. So they're they're locked in and they're hoping that with a lot more rest, as opposed to the two years of rest Deshaun Watson had previously... <laughs> Uh, he can come back a better player. So yeah, uh, I think at we'll this point he, go, it's more important that he shakes off the rust than get rest. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we know we know how how those Jets match, matchups go. So we'll see how the Cleveland Browns handle their matchup this week if they choose to play their starters, which it looks like they're not going to. But we'll get into that a bit later. Let Let's move on to the next game that happened last week. And I'm going in order like this because I do want to talk briefly about the line Cowboys, mainly because I've been so active on social media with seeing, seeing all the clips of what happened. For those of you, I guess if, if you haven't heard, about it, you probably haven't been following football for the last week, but the, the last play of the game, um, uh, because of the conversion, the Lions put in Eric Decker as an debatably uh, ineligible receiver. They intended to make him eligible. They threw the ball to him, and then the referee said that he did not report as eligible. But in the video uh, leading up to it, you see Jared Goff tapping him on the back and pointing to go speak to the ref. You see him walking over to the ref, and the ref giving him a hand signal, and then them both running back towards uh, the play. Now, uh, Dan Campbell did say in a presser that they intended on confusing uh, the Cowboys by sending over multiple players, which I'm just going to get ahead of this and say teams do that often. That is not uncommon. Uh, There are plenty of clips of that happening earlier in the season in, in other situations. 
Uh, Dan Campbell said he literally drew up the play and showed the refs before the game. That, that he, he said that. And then Decker said uh, in the post-game interview that he did exactly as they practiced. He did exactly what coach told them to, and he reported. So with all that said, Alex, what are your thoughts on what happened in that game uh, where the, the play was called back and the Lions ended up losing because of that call? Well, we'll say it was an entertaining game. Um, you know, you could tell that both teams were obviously understood the playoff implications um, to playoff team, playoff bound teams. So entertaining game uh, to me from what and thanks for that detailed explanation, Cam. To me, it looks like the refs screwed it up because based on based on the information, you know, that that we that that we have, it looks like the refs really screwed it up. And, and, and it's especially a bad mark on the refs when Dan Campbell explained ahead of time. Now that's also not uncommon. That 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 is definitely something that happens regularly. I know I've even heard Andy Reid, you know, pretty much tell the refs ahead of time, "Hey, there's a play that we might run." Doesn't mean that they will, right? But it's pretty common right. for them to go say, "Hey, this is a weird formation, but this is what it's going to look like." And, you know, you know, heads up when it happens, right? So that that part of it is pretty common as well. So the fact that Dan Campbell explained it ahead of time sounds like got the AOK and then when it actually came time to execute it, the refs seemed very confused. Um, that That is really – it's another sore spot, uh, and I think it's just another another situation. Here we are again where we're taking away from talking about what a great game that was, and we're talking about refs blowing a call or missing a call. And um, I know we've talked on this before, and I get it. Refs are part of the game, but I still think there needs to be – some additional level of accountability for refs. Now, I don't know what that means, and I'm not sure how they would do that, but think about this. The, the players, right? If the players screw up and they mess up an assignment, then especially if they're a lower-level player, I mean, they can legitimately be cut or sent to a practice squad or, like, or, you know, it, ha it has true financial implications on their performance. You think about a coach. If a coach screws up during a game and makes a bad call or loses too many games, he gets fired. And so I don't understand how we have this billion-dollar business where refs can can clearly make the wrong call. Right? They're human. That's going to happen. I'm not saying that they can't make the wrong right. call. But what's frustrating is they make the wrong call, and the NFL just covers it up and acts like, oh, it's fine. Like, and they and the, and the NFL tries to usually come out and act like it was the right call or try to give some stupid explanation for how that was what was supposed to happen. The fans see that it was the wrong call. So just call it what it is and 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 have maybe maybe make them miss a game, suspend them for a game if they make a bad call that screws a team and makes them lose a game. I mean, I don't know what the what what it is, but there has to be more accountability for refs. I get it, they're human, they make mistakes. But if everybody this is a high stakes game, if everybody else, you know, if everybody else in the league, the players and the coaches, if they're held accountable for the mistakes they make, it should be the same for the refs. Yeah, and you just saw Saquon Barkley get fined what twenty two thousand dollars for lowering his helmet on an inside run. Yeah, which and yeah, these players are running back. <laughs> exactly, and you know I, I'm not trying to eliminate the human element of of refereeing. Refereeing is a difficult job. There are a lot of calls where uh, that seem questionable. There are a lot of calls that appear missed if there's some slight yep. holding, but that that's. Inevitably, I, with the way it's set up, part of the game, right? Some refs are a little more strict on on those calls in the trenches, for instance, and some aren't. And I don't necessarily think that diversity is a, a bad part of the game. Uh, what I will say about this call is that it seems blatant enough to... I, I don't want to make any 
anything that will uh, come with repercussions to to what I'm about to say. But I do think that it is what happened warrants a thorough investigation into the rest financial situation. Because if nothing happens, if, if he didn't bet on the game, if his email account and, and phone number aren't associated with those uh, sports betting sites and there's nothing that happened that, that was nefarious, then that's fine. But I think that yeah. the NFL investigating something that seems from an outside perspective like such a blatant call in the favor of the home team, uh, I think an investigation would, would look good publicly for the NFL because it shows yep. that they're holding the refs accountable. That, that's yep. all. You know, I'm not saying that every missed call should should lead to an investigation, but I, I don't see a downside in this particular instance. I, I agree completely, Cam. I mean, I agree. Like, I mean, you're right. The, the, not every, and, and here's the thing too, though, like not every missed call carries the same weight because exactly. you know if there's a missed call early in the game, even if it's a bad call, I'm not, I'm not justifying it as though it doesn't mean anything, but there's enough game left that the teams can adjust, right? They can, okay, yeah, that was a stupid, that was a bad call, but you know, now we had to punt this drive and maybe next drive we can score, right? That, that was that, that call literally costs a team the game and it cost them a chance at the number one seed. Doesn't guarantee they were going to get it, but if they would have won that game, the Lions would have been right there with the Niners in the mix and, and maybe even forced the Niners to play the last week of the season, you know, when they may not. Exactly. So, you know, it, it's just, it truly was a, it was just, it's in, it's inexcusable that that sort of thing would happen. And the NFL has to, has to fix it because um, it really is, uh, it's, it, it, this is, there has to be some accountability for these refs because this is just, this is ruining, it's ruining the fan experience and the fans are the ones that fund this whole operation. So you <laughs> got to keep the fans happy, you know, let the teams play and the better team win. Don't let the refs intervene and literally cause a decision one way or another. Yeah, and just a, a, one last point on this. I am 100% in the camp of the be better team typically wins. There's nothing fixed or scripted about the NFL. I think that's absolutely ridiculous. But this drives the narrative so mm -hmm. hard that, that some games are scripted. And that yep. narrative leads to a lot of people not being as invested in the games, not watching as often and not not placing as many bets and i i know it sounds ridiculous to a lot of people but i personally know people who genuinely think that for instance this game they had that ceremony for the dallas cowboy greats at, at in the during the halftime and people are saying the nfl wasn't going to let them lose and that you know you can't bet on games like that yeah again no, I, I disagree I, I, but uh yeah that narrative isn't good for the nfl Right. Agreed. No, I agree with that. Now, I will ask you this, though, Cam. What did you think about how – No, and we don't have to spend the whole time in this game, but what did you think about how after that penalty, there was a false start penalty? Uh, and, and, of course, first – the next play, the Cowboys, you know, then um, stopped the Lions, but then there was a penalty on the Cowboys, and so then they got to play the down again. And then I believe there was a false start, which moved – the Lions back another five yards, and then they went. I think reverse anyway. order, but but yeah, okay. I think it was a okay. false start and then a defensive. Okay. Either something. way, though. Either way, though. Yeah. I mean, honestly, after after that play had happened, where the Lions thought they won the game and then didn't, and then once that false start happens, at that point, I just kicked the extra point. Yeah, one hundred. Like, like, like your odds, your odds of of converting that 
have just drastically decreased because now the run is not an option because now it's very, very unlikely you can run. So now you have pass rushers that are going to be, you know, they don't have to worry about a run lane and they're going to be teeing off at you. So the, the likelihood of you being able to convert that drastically decreases. So in my mind, I understand the aggression from Dan Campbell, but at that point, kick, kick the extra point, go into overtime and see what happens. Yeah. There's a fine line between ambition and insanity. Right. And, and at, at that time, uh, it, it seems like it was an emotional response to the call, honestly. And Dan Campbell's yeah, an emotional guy. Uh, so, mm-hmm. I, uh, you know, you can very easily see it. And that's why one reason uh, players love playing for him. But, yeah, I, I think he should have kicked the, the point, gone into overtime. And, you know, the offense was moving the ball well. The defense was mm-hmm. playing rather well as also. So I, I think it was a... a hindsight 2020 but i think it was a pretty poor decision in the moment and i think a lot of lions fans were holding their head and pointing out the screen saying what are you doing yep why are you going for it with seven (laughs) yards to gain so uh passes in the past we won't spend the whole whole time on this game but i as you said it was a great game up until that point and the fact that we're talking about it as we are as opposed to how we talk about these other close matchups is a shame but let's yep. get on to the main slate, the main Sunday slate. Where do you want to start, Alex? Well, I'll, st- I'll start with the obvious. The uh, Ravens are the best team in the NFL right now. Yes. Uh, so Period. that, you know, and, and I know we, we talked about this Ravens-Miami game and how much that means. We talked about that last week. And once again, Miami, given the opportunity <laughs> to play against a playoff caliber team, and they just got curb stomped. Um, and there's no other way around it. I mean, they were just destroyed. And uh, so so now you look once again at Miami, and their best win is against the Cowboys. And that's their only win against a playoff caliber team. All the other playoff teams that they've played, they've lost to. And in fact, some of them got destroyed. So I, I think it's a difficult, I think it's going to be difficult. I think it's difficult to not see this team as a paper tiger, right? They, 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 they're flashy and they're fun and, and, and that's great. But when it comes to a physical brand of football that you're going to have to play in the trenches against great teams come playoff time, this team has yet to prove that a single time that they can really do that other than I guess that win over the Cowboys. So yeah, not, not too much to belabor it, but if I'm a Miami fan, I'm thinking we had a good year. But I'm feeling real nervous about this Bills game, and I'm feeling real nervous about the playoff game, whatever happens after that. Yeah, it's not over, right? Uh, like Dolphins could still win this upcoming week. They are at home, and I know their <laughs> Dolphins are one of those teams like Dallas with a considerably strong home field advantage. Uh, I do think the Bills take the game, as the line would indicate. Again, we'll get there soon enough. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's a little... A little scary, a little scary as a uh, as a Dolphins fan uh, heading into the playoffs. Now, let's move over to probably the biggest upset of the week, and that is my new favorite team because of what happened: the Arizona Cardinals beating the Eagles, putting the Cardinals in place to get the fourth overall pick, while Washington moves up ahead of them, ahead of the Patriots, based on strength of schedule to the number two overall pick. I love it. I was so happy watching this game. I actually uh, stopped watching uh, several minutes early to clean my 
fiance's parents' house because I am such a great guy <laughs> to miss football <laughs> for that. No, I, I, um, I, so I missed the end of the game. Uh, we were preparing for uh, hosting a a New Year's party, um, but it it's it really is great. You know, the this upcoming week, I will just touch on the Commanders uh, for a moment. They have a 69% chance of getting the second overall pick based on um, matchups and matchup expectations. Uh, now, I personally think that Belichick beats Trevor Simeon, Trevor Simeon, right? And the Jets this upcoming week, mm-hmm. uh, it, locking Washington into that second overall pick. And to make things even better, Caleb Williams, D.C., Born and raised, right? He went to high school in D.C. He's a Washington fan. He's come out pretty – as close to publicly as he can with uh, on social media saying that he does not want to play for, the for Bears. Chicago. Mm-hmm. And, yep. boy, it, oh, Washington can start over under with a new owner, Caleb Williams leading the way. I will be a happy camper. Yeah, that was like that was like uh, like a birthday present for you. The, the really Eagles was. lose, you know, move, <laughs> moves the Commanders up. Um, yeah, I mean that was that was a tough loss for the Eagles. The Eagles are kind of in free fall now, um, and uh, you know, AJ Brown is mad. Yeah, and once again, yeah, I don't mean <laughs> to beat the guy up, you know, but I just I still think that Nick Sirianni is. He's similar to Dan Campbell in that he's very emotional as a leader. But what frustrates me, or not frustrates me, but the thing that I think it's just something to notice is that when you have a team, when you have a coach, a head coach that is that visibly emotional, like it has an impact on the players and the, with the ebbs and flows. And when you think about the great, some of the greatest coaches, they're, they're the opposite of emotional, right? They are stone faced. You would not know. Belichick. Belichick, even Andy Reid, right? Rarely, you rarely see him get high or low. You know, think about, you know, Chuck Knoll, you know, in the steel curtain defense, right? I mean, Bill Walsh, I mean, gosh, you can go through all these coaches and none of those guys were hooting and hollering, you know, unless, unless, you know, unless they really needed to get on the ref about something, but they're just stone-faced, focused, you know, and another thing is that those were all, you know, all those coaches called, you know, usually called the offense or defense and made a direct impact on the outcome of the game. And that's where I think that we talked about this earlier in the year that Sirianni doesn't, doesn't call the offense or the defense. He relies on his coordinators. And what have we noticed this year? Both coordinators left and both units have struggled with new coordinators and, and maybe not struggled. They're not the worst in the league, but they're not what they were last year, you know? And so to even lose to one of your, you know, ex coordinators now, that's just double salt in the wound, you know, to lose to Steichen, Shane Steichen. So, Gannon. you know, okay, sorry, Gannon. Yeah, lose to Gannon, <laughs> and then and then yeah, Steichen's with the Colts. But but either way, you know, I think it's just I think it's tough, and I, I I honestly think that I think that it'll be curious to see what happens with this team in the playoffs. And I'm not saying Sirianni's on the hot seat. I'm not saying that, but it's something to keep an eye on. It really is. Is is his emotional? you know, up and downs during games, his emotional press conferences. I get it that he's fiery, but when you do that, you're, you're adding extra target on your back. And if you, and you're not the one that has to back it up, you're not even calling the place. It's your team that has to do that. So, yeah. you know, just don't, you don't want to write a check. You can't cash. Yeah. And I 
I genuinely think that Shane Steichen is going to end up being one of the best coaches in the NFL. I, I think he is very yeah. smart. I think he's very talented. And I think he did a lot to make that offense run smoothly last year. Uh, I think Gannon has overperformed. I, I did not have high expectations of him. I know a lot of uh, a, a lot of personalities uh, in the football world did not think that Gannon was going to to do well. Didn't thought this might even be a temporary uh, solution, uh, and then the Cardinals might look for someone else after a couple years. I think he's he's doing very well, and honestly, I still believe that the Eagles, top to bottom, are the most talented roster in the NFL. Uh, now you could say that. 49ers give them a run for their money. But I, I just think the Eagles overall have better talent. Now their secondary has not been secondary been good. That, that's been yep. a, a very large problem. But I think yep. the rest of the roster is in a place where if the Eagles spent every single draft pick on a cornerback this year, they would still be fine everywhere else. Right. I, I think they've they've constructed this roster beautifully. And I think that their play calling has been atrocious and mm -hmm. i think the talent's been carrying them uh through through these wins and yep. this is one of those games where the talent could not overcome bad play calling on both the offense and the defense and i know eagles fans are frustrated because they are so talented you 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 know howie is doing everything he can to get all the players in in here and and work his magic every offseason and then you know what a super bowl right now looks Looks like it's very far away, right? Mm -hmm. They need to beat a lot of good teams before they can get back to the Super Bowl. Before yep. the season, they were they were, I believe, the Super Bowl favorites. Probably, yeah. So, it, yeah, a little bit of a disappointing road. It's hard to say that it's too disappointing when they have you know eleven wins, but it, it really is, it really is. All right, man. Let's move on to a couple of these other games uh, that that are noteworthy before. Moving on to this next, uh, this upcoming week. And I do want to touch on the Bears-Falcons real quick. Because, one, Falcons, man, I I was wrong about them before the season. I did not take into consideration that um, Joni Smith would be the best player on this offense. I, <laughs> I really thought they would use Bijan Robinson and Drake London and Kyle Pitts. And, and it just... They need a quarterback and they need new coaches, it seems. Uh, you know, I haven't watched every game as closely as maybe some Falcons fans, but I know Falcons fans are the first people to tell you that Arthur Smith is probably not the dude. Yep. On the other side of the ball, the Bears, man, who would have thought that that Montez sweat trade would help the Bears as much as it has? I mean, they mm -hmm. have been a top unit. They've been mm -hmm. really good on defense, not just better. They've been good. And I believe I, I saw that they've won – uh, seven of their last 12 games. Does that sound right? Yeah. Uh, they, they've gone seven and five over the last 12 games. Uh, and man, they look like a different team. And it will be exciting to see what they do in the offseason regarding Justin Fields. Because yep. he hasn't been the best. He hasn't. He's been very good, though. And yep. it is and hard to come by a games. good quarterback. It really is. Yeah, he's looked better the last few games. So yeah, you know that they they really it'll be really curious to see. You know, it's like you you, you they, we thought they were one of the worst teams in the league, and then all of a sudden you look at them right, and they're at what seven wins? Yeah, are they? Yeah, seven and nine, right? Yes. So yeah, I mean, you know, they could end up with eight wins. 
you know, which is, which is pretty crazy to think too. So, um, and, and, and at this point that won't hurt them because the pick that they have, right. Isn't, isn't, don't they already have the first overall pick from, yep, they have locked that from locked, um, locked. Yeah. Okay. Carolina. From Carolina. Yeah. Which, wow, man, that's looking really bad for Carolina. I'm sorry, Panther really fans, bad. man. Cause you're looking like you gave up the farm to get a guy that really did not have a good year. And of course now they need a new coach and all that. So, but we'll yeah, save you know that my for stance on Bryce Young. You know, I still I still like him. I, we'll I save we'll save that for our offseason talk. We'll delve into some of these teams and what we, we think will. they should do. Um, I want to touch real quick on the Chiefs. You know, the Chiefs, of course, playing against the Bengals. Um, we talked about it last week. That was not that was a game that I was really looking forward to all season. And obviously it didn't turn out to be um, the type of game I was hoping it was. But honestly, it was a really great game. Both teams, it actually had a playoff feel to it. Um, you know, and, and certainly the Bengals aren't world beaters, but they had a chance, you know, they, they had a chance to continue to stay alive and they needed that that win to at least give them a chance to try to sneak in the playoffs. And so, you know, they were playing hard and uh, and obviously the Chiefs, you know, really needed this um, to make sure that they wrapped up the AFC West. So um, Chiefs took care of business. Uh, it wasn't pretty and they settled for a lot of field goals in the red zone. But I, but there was a few sightings of some explosive plays, which that was great. You know, they had a nice shot to Rasheed Rice down the sideline. I think it was like a 68-yard uh, bomb. So that was really great to see. Um, and then, of course, I think they had a couple big runs by Pacheco. And uh, it, it was good to see that they have leaned into their identity of they're going to be a defensive, you know, a defensive team that 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 runs the offense through the running game. And if they can play like that, um, which is obviously very different to how the Chiefs have played in the past. Yeah, they have Mahomes. But, yeah, and they have Mahomes, right? So if you – you know, it's it's weird to try to take the best player in the world and kind of turn him into a game manager. So long term, that's not really what you want to do. But but based on their personnel limitations, um, I think they're going to probably lean into that to try to maximize their chances here in the playoffs. So um, they're by no means dead, um, you know, and, and they'll and I think they're actually locked in the three seed as well. So they'll, they'll probably rest some guys here in week 18 and uh, get get rested up and kind of treat that as like a bye week. Uh, and get ready to play, uh, you know, whoever they get, you know, most likely they're going to get the Dolphins or the Bills um, is, is what it's looking like, um, which will obviously probably be the loser of that game. Although there's a chance based on the other outcomes that it's somebody different because we'll talk about this, but the Bills can either go from the two seed or they can miss the playoffs entirely, which that in itself is wild. Uh, but either way, I think it'll probably be the Dolphins or Bills is most likely who the Chiefs are going to host in uh, first round of the playoffs. Wow, they can, can't they? Can they? Yeah. They can. They can. Oh, yeah. I so, haven't seen that. Yeah, so the Bills are not locked, which is crazy the way the tiebreakers work. Crazy. So if the Bills win, they can. They will be the two seed. If they lose, they can be anywhere from the uh, anywhere from the six seed or seven seed or miss entirely. So pretty wild. Yeah, because the Colts play the Texans, right? Yeah. So one of them is going to have 10 wins. And then right. the Jaguars, uh, who do the Jaguars play? The Jags they play, play the, the Titans, Titans. Right. So yeah. if they have 10 wins as well. Then they're then in. A, right. So yeah, the, Jag, the Jags will the tiebreaker. If the Jags win, if the Jags no. win their game, then no, they're No, Bills are locked in, right? No. Okay. I'm looking. Am I right? The Colts play the Texans. So if the Jags win, well, there's also the Steelers alive too. There it is. I did not see that that one. Okay, okay, yeah, the Steelers win as well. They'll have ten. Yeah. 
Right. So the so the Bills would drop to the end of the ten of the row of ten win teams. So I, I honestly, just on a side note, as a football fan, I can't ever remember a situation where the last week of the game, the very last game of the season, has a team that can that can either be the two seed or miss the playoffs entirely based on their outcome. That is that is just very unusual, very unusual. So uh, that is going to be an awesome game, uh, and I'm looking forward to that game. Yeah, it, unless it ends up like their last game, in which case the Bills come out, win early, and then that's it. But it, it will be – this is going to be a fun week. It, it really is. I know uh, fantasy football championships are over. Mm-hmm. At least they should be if your league goes to week 18. What are you doing? Stop it. Change it. Uh, you you don't want your superstar Joe Flacco to – to rest during your championship now, week. Now, Cam, I know what you think about kickers. Did you did you did you happen to play someone that had Harrison Butker because he kicked six field goals, and I, that probably could have swayed some some games. So some fantasy player players either really love Harrison Butker because he got it done for him, or they hate him because it may have cost them their championship. I did not. I actually I was in five leagues. I got to playoffs in four of them. One of them I had the most. The one I didn't, I still had the most points for. I lost in the first round of three of those four. So that didn't feel very good. But so I was just in one, one match this last week. Lost that one too. So Mm. I'm coming out with the big fat zero, but it was not against Butker. Hmm. Well, for me, I, I think I'm just a model of consistency because in my, my main league, I have gotten third, uh, three years in a row. So, you know, at least I'm consistent. So I finished third and we, we have a 12 team league. So, you know, the waiver wire is pretty slim pickings uh, mm-hmm. for most of the year. So your draft has a big impact. But yeah, uh, so I'm, I'm always the bridesmaid, never the bride. So hopefully <laughs> there'll be an opportunity next year to, to actually make the championship game. All right, man. Any other games you want to touch on before for going into this this next week? I know there were some other close ones, but. Well, just to recap real quick, we don't have to touch on them, but we did both lose our uh, our picks for our um our uh, upset picks. You had Las Vegas over Indianapolis. Um, Indy, that was a close game. And then I had Detroit over Dallas, which of course we've already, we've already kind of, kind of beat that dead horse. So both of us had losses in really close games, um, which brings your record to six and eight and mine to three and 11. So that's where we're at with upset picks. So yeah. So if um, you're following this podcast exclusively for sports betting advice, we apologize. <laughs> oh man. Well, those aren't our best. They're not our best bets. They're correct, just our, uh, upsets, our, our yeah. upsets. So, uh, but yeah, so let's go ahead and transition in to talk about the final week of the regular season. And um, there's some ho-hum games and then there's some real bangers. So let's just, Focus on a couple of these big games. I know we've already started talking about it, so let's delve into it a little bit more. The first huge game on the schedule um, is, you know, the NFL knows what they're doing. They put it on Saturday night. We got Houston and Indianapolis. Huge. Um, um, That game is at 8-15. That is in Indianapolis. And right now, Houston is a road favorite by a point. So what do you think about that line, Cam? And what are your thoughts on this game? I think that's a good line. You know, we we have our upset picks that we'll get into, but I I will just tell you right now that was not mine. I think the Texans win on the road. Um, I think these teams both have very good coaching staffs, which is maybe different from mm-hmm. from a uh, you know recent history. 
but I am very excited to watch this game. And if you asked me before the season if I would be excited to watch this game, I'd say, yeah, sure, because Anthony Richardson and C.J. Stroud are probably bringing their three to four team wins in and and uh, seeing what they can do, you know. But these are actually legitimate competing teams. Stroud is playing, um, correct? We he is. Yep. That. He okay. He is yep. playing. Uh, yep. Richardson obviously is not. But the fact that they're both in the spot at nine and seven uh, after last year is really remarkable. Yeah, and just to add, and just and I, I should have set the stage a little bit more, but just to clarify as well, um, now now the winner of this game isn't guaranteed to win the division because it depends on what the Jags do the next day. But yeah. they're pretty much a lock for the playoffs. So most likely, I, I think. From what I could tell, I think that the whoever the whoever wins this game will either win the division or will get in as a wild card because they have they have tiebreakers over some of the other 10 win teams. So there could be some scenario where that doesn't happen, but I think that was pretty unlikely. Yeah, so, I, I think if the Steelers win, they still have tiebreaker over the Steelers. Okay. Yeah. Not, not so sure right. So yeah, so I think that's what I saw yesterday as well. So pretty much it's a playoff game, right? And the loser's not gonna get in. So, you know, um, or very unlikely. I don't think the loser would get it. So in that case, you know, it's pretty much a playoff game. So I like I like Houston in this game. I do think that Indianapolis has had a remarkable season. And so ha- and so have the Texans. And as many of as many of you loyal listeners have reminded me, I said I didn't want to watch the Texans this year. I was wrong. The Texans are fun. And uh, the fact that they're in this position is pretty incredible. So, you know, huge shout out to what to what they're doing down there in Houston. And uh, I do think they're going to win this game. Yeah, I, I agree. I was just looking over their roster, and boy, it, are the Texans injured right now. I know Indianapolis is without Anthony Richardson, but they have been most of the season. And, and they have some injuries as well, um, as as every team does at this point in the season. But, oh, man, the the uh, <laughs> Texans have – if they're not on IR, they're questionable. That's pretty much how it – their injury report reads right now. <laughs> yep. Yep. And then the other game in the AFC South that we also touched on, just a reminder that real quick, the Jaguars are hosting the Texans or excuse me, the, the Titans, <laughs> not the Texans. That would be a hosting trip. the Titans. The Jags win and they're in the division. Uh, they win the division. So they're, they're winning in. And if they're, lo- if they lose, then they're they're They, they could miss the playoffs entirely. So big game for them. I know they played CJ Beathard last week. Cam, have you heard? Do you know anything about Lawrence? Is he playing? I think Lawrence in is game? in. He's I, in? Okay. I, I think so. Yeah. So pretty much a playoff game for them as well. So that's another game to keep an eye on in the AFC. Um, and then I guess while we're talking AFC, the, the, really the only other game um, before we get to the, the big final game, uh, the only other game that we mentioned that could impact seeding as well as the Steelers game um, and so for that one, you have the Steelers uh, playing the first game on Saturday against Baltimore. Now, it'll be curious to see what Baltimore does because they are obviously they already locked the first round by. So they're going to get a buy in the wild card round. And so they, they, they no matter what happens to this game against the Steelers, you know, um, they're, they're, they're going to have that buy. So I'll be curious to see. You know, we have seen times in the past where teams have been rusty after sitting. And in fact, this Baltimore team is one of those. If, if, if folks recall back in 2019, they were the number one seed. Oh, and they yes. actually sat folks, sat sat a lot of folks, including Lamar Jackson, 
in a week, uh, I guess at that time it would have been week 17 matchup. And then they actually got beat in the first in the second round of the playoffs by the Titans uh, beat pretty good um, who I think really physically just kind of ran them over um, back. And that was of course a very physical oh, yeah. Titans team, but, but if, so even this Ravens team under Harbaugh with Lamar Jackson, you know, they've had some issues maybe being a little bit rusty in the past and Lamar Jackson still has yet to, really demonstrate in the playoffs that he can play at the same caliber or the MVP caliber that I, that I think he's, he's clearly shown in the regular season. So I don't know if I'm, if I'm Harbaugh, if I put his, put put on his shoes for a minute, I'd probably play the starters the first half and then sit them. Um, I, I just, just to give him an opportunity to stay out there, stay hot, give them some good reps, get, you know, get, you know, keep them out there, have them go through the regular process of preparing for a game. Um, and I would try to keep them fresh. So, that's what I would do, but um, I don't know. You know, sometimes rest can help, but sometimes that rust can hurt. So, what do you think, Cam? What do you think Harbaugh will do? Uh, well, for context, the line is uh, favors the Steelers by three and a half points on the road. I think that tells you almost everything you need to know about at least what Vegas thinks. And Vegas yep. is in. Uh, they like to win money, and they're <laughs> good at it. So, I do think that maybe Lamar comes out for a drive, maybe the opening drive. Maybe not the opening drive. You know, who who really knows, right? But yep. I do think the Steelers win this game because they have a lot to play for. Mm-hmm. And the Ravens have nothing. Nothing. <laughs> yeah. uh, yep. They have to play for not getting injured. Hurt. Mm-hmm. So Steelers should win this game. Um, if not, that would... That would and the, if they don't win and the Ravens sit their starters, that would be an embarrassing loss. And I know of many people who would be upset <laughs> Over that, I uh, almost wanted to happen because it would be funny because I have a lot of Steelers friend, fan friends. But I know I know some of you listen to this show. I'm, I'll be rooting for the Steelers. Don't worry, guys. <laughs> all right. Don't add him. Don't add him. Maybe do. Maybe do. So so then, all right. So let's let's touch on this last big AFC game, and then we'll switch over and talk about the Sounds NFC good. games. So obviously this one we're talking about, the big kahuna, we've already touched on this, is the Buffalo-Miami game. This is in Miami. Um, as we said, you know, the winner of this game locks down um, the division. And then the if Miami loses, they now they're already a playoff lock. So if they lose – then they drop down to either the five or six seed, I think, depending on what happens with the Browns. Um, so they, you know, so they do, ha- they have a lot to play for, but, um, but they're still a lock for the playoffs. Buffalo, on the other hand, if they, they win this game, they are all the way up to the two seed. They lose this game and they could miss entirely depending on what happens with these other games. So this is going to be, I know Miami is pretty banged up. I know that the last news I heard is Bradley Chubb. Is going to miss this game, which that's another hit on their defense, which I know they have some injuries there as well. Um, but even though the Bills aren't exactly world beaters um, and have had certainly an up and down season, I'm still going to roll with Buffalo in this game. My thought process here is Buffalo is just the more physical team. Um, I think they're going to dominate at the line of scrimmage. And I think when when you are in a do or die situation, there's there's not very many guys that I would have over uh over josh allen because of his ability to to take over games physically he's truly a physical specimen running the football um obviously i'm a chiefs fan i would take patrick mahomes and i think a lot of people would take patrick mahomes over josh allen in a do or die game um but there's only maybe a few other guys that i'd consider um but josh allen's certainly in that top group so 
you know, I think you're going to ride or die on the, you know, the play of your quarterback. And I'm, I'm going to take Josh Allen over to a, uh, in this game. So give me Buffalo. Yeah. Give me Buffalo as well. Um, you know, Jalen Phillips is on IR and Bradley Chubb's out. That is that duo would be amazing as pass rushers if they were playing, but they're not saving Howard's out. Jerome Baker's on IR. It, it's just, uh, they're not as injury riddled as some other teams, but they also have, it seems like this defense has some star players and then some role players, right? They, they fill, fill the gap and a lot of their star players are out. So I do think that Buffalo will be able to uh, have their way with this defense. And I don't think that the Miami offense will be able to necessarily keep up uh, in a difficult Bills matchup. So yeah, give me give me the Bills. The uh, let's see, Vegas has this uh, the Bills winning by three. By three. Mm-hmm. Yep. So they're road road favorites by three. All right, let's switch conferences. All right, let's do it. So thinking about some of these big games here, um, a couple games to keep an eye on. This is this is only a big game for one team, but Tampa <laughs> Bay does play Carolina at one o'clock on Sunday. Uh, Tampa Bay will lock the division down if they win that game. So obviously a lot on the line for Tampa. Um, I do think that I'd be surprised if they have any problems handling Carolina. You never know. Uh, but that's a big game to keep an eye on. As long as Tampa Bay wins that game, then they'll be locked in. And I think they'll have the four seed, if I believe. Um, that's right. They'll get the four seed in the NFC. Now, if they lose that game, then obviously that Atlanta-New Orleans game all of a sudden has a lot more meaning as well uh, with New Orleans needing to win that, winning, beating the Falcons in that game, I think gives them the division. So both those games are on Either. at the same time. Um, if the Falcons beat the Saints, and then, the they, then lose, they get the division. The Falcons can still do it. Okay. All right. So there you go. So that division is truly up for grabs in those two games for, for three teams. So who knows who will see winning that division? I know Cam at the beginning of the year, I believe you picked the Falcons. I, I actually picked the saints. So we could either both be wrong or one of us be right. Depending on what happens there. That's how it works. <laughs> have different picks. <laughs> yes. Um, so there's that game. And then another game um, that has, could have some playoff implications. Seattle's still alive. I think that they need to win this game. Um, I, I think to, to try to get a chance to sneak into that seven seed, they play Arizona who is all of a sudden feisty. Um, I don't know. Seattle's favored by two and a half. Do you think Seattle pulls this game out? I think so. Uh, yeah, I, I think they're the better team and they have a lot more to play for. That, that's about it. I You know, I think that there are, you know, I, I was just trying to look over the playoff picture because there are a lot of eight-win teams right mm-hmm. now, right? They're the Seahawks. They're the Bucks and the Saints, and then they're the Packers. Packers, yep. So uh, a lot of these games, uh, de- depending on a lot of these games matter, a lot do because any of those teams could really still make make the playoffs. But you know the Eagles and Cowboys are locked, and then the 49ers and Rams are locked. Are locked so there's yep. really only one wild card spot up for grabs. But I do, I do think Seattle takes this. Do you know if Seattle wins, are they in? I, I think it depends on the other games. It still depends. So okay. yeah, I think because because I think then you have Green Bay playing Chicago. Right. Obviously, Green Bay has to win to stay alive as well. 
So, I mean, all, at this point, I think if you're Green Bay, if you're Seattle, you just need to take care of business and then, of course, trust and see kind of what happens after that. Exactly. Now, Alex, do you want to get into our upset picks? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. You want to go first this week? Yeah, let's do it. So, uh, good timing. We ended with the Bears-Packers. I'm taking the Bears. Oh, I, that was I mine. That was going to be mine. <laughs> glad I went first because they're the yes. only one I wrote down. Uh, the, the Bears... Packers, man, I, you know, the Packers love beating the Bears. They've done it a lot. But the Bears love beating the Packers too, right? And I think this Bears team, how it's been playing, is just better than this Packers team. And I know that the Packers won handily against the Vikings last week, right? 33-10. to 10. Love is playing pretty well. Uh, you know, I just, I don't think it's enough. It's crazy to say, but the Bears have really rallied. I think their defense is better. I think their offense is better. And that that's about it. So I think the better team takes this one home. You might say that the Packers are playing for, for something and the bears aren't, but that's just not true with how these teams do each other. You know, I, I'm a commander's fan. It's everyone who, who listens knows. And I love rooting against the Cowboys and the Eagles. And I'd love to have that fire uh, in, in the, you know, the, the relationship we have, but the commanders have been so, so bad lately. It just, it's not there. But this Packers-Bears matchup, I mean, th this rivalry is visceral. And it doesn't matter how bad either of these teams are. They always try to just kill the other team. So I, I think this will be a great game. I think the Bears are playing for more than uh, what the casual fan would logically anticipate. And I think they take it. Yeah, I like that. That was going to be my pick as well, Cam. <laughs> Sorry, excuse me. A um, couple things I like. I like that the Bears, you know, some some teams, it'll actually benefit them to lose the last week. Uh, the Bears aren't that, right? They already have the Panthers pick, so and that's already locked. So they don't really care what happens. They, so they do have that full motivation to really go out and win. And then Justin Fields is really playing for his future, right? Yeah. Um, you know, and whether that be with the Bears or whether that be his potential, you know, his value, you know, how valuable he'll be as a, as a trading chip. So we'll see what happens, but I definitely the Bears are uh, all of a sudden coming on hot here late in the year. I know we've talked about their defense, so I like it. That's a good pick. Um, so for me, I am picking. The, I don't really, I don't really think this will happen, but I'm going to pick them anyway because I'm a homer and I never get a chance to pick them. So I'm going to pick the Chiefs because oh, they're actually uh, they are are obviously dogs against the Chargers. Um, and some context there, obviously that thinks Vegas. You know, the Chiefs are locked in right now at that three seed. Doesn't matter win or lose. That's where they're going to be. So because of that, it, clearly Vegas thinks that the Chiefs are going to be sitting um, similar to what what Vegas thinks about the Ravens, um, that the, the Chiefs will be sitting some of their starters. And I haven't heard anything about it yet, but I do think that is probably what's going to happen because the situation's a little different. With the Ravens, they have two weeks off. So that changes a little bit, I think, um, if I'm Harbaugh on on how much I, I choose to sit my players because you do have some concerns about rust there. Um, uh, but when but for the Chiefs, since they know they don't have that buy, you know this really is their buy. So I do think that we're going to see. I, I'll be I'll be shocked if we see Travis Kelsey 
You know, he's a guy that obviously has dealt with a variety of injuries this year. Um, I think they're going to probably keep him on ice. I bet. I, I think Kadarius Tony will probably be on ice as well. You know, he's already missed a couple games. They want him healthy for the playoffs, for better or for worse. <laughs> and uh, so I think he'll miss. I could even see a few other guys like Chris Jones and some other guys being on snap counts. Um, I think Mahomes, I, I, I think we'll see him. I do think we'll see him start the game. Um, but I think similar to what you mentioned on the Ravens, I think we might see him a series, you know, maybe two, depending on how that goes. Um, you know, to kind of, kind of keep and then, and then I think we'll probably after that, um, after that, he'll probably be pulled. So anyway, that's my take on what I think is going to happen, but either way, I never, I haven't got to pick the chiefs as a dog this whole season. So I'm going to take them now. I'm going to take the chiefs over the chargers on the road. Yeah. And, and I think even if they bench your full slate of starters, there are a lot of, or at least a few select backup players who are going to be playing for bigger roles, right? Sure. Again, I was huge on Felix Anudike Uzama, and he played the first six weeks a decent amount, but as soon as uh, Omenihu came back from the suspension, he was pretty much uh, benched entirely, right? Yep. He had he hasn't had double-digit snaps since week seven, where he just had 10. Um, mm-hmm. So in the week before that, even he during the suspension, he had five. So snaps were decreasing at that point. He did not have a good rookie year. He'll be, he should be getting a lot more playing time, right? Yep. Uh, you know, Leo Chanel has, had played himself into a bigger role, uh, especially Nick Bolton was out for a while, right? He was, but yeah, Bolton a broken hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and now Leo Chanel, or Chanel will probably see the field a lot, lot more. And I, I think a lot of these guys will be playing hard. And the Chargers are just a team where they don't have a lot going for them right now at, at this point. They, they don't have a lot of talent out there each and every week. So I do think the line is adequate. I think a three-point line makes sense. Um, even Again, even if the Chiefs bench everyone. So I, I don't hate the pick. I think the Chiefs could pull this one out, even, even with reserve players. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. And even if they bench Mahomes, so then that would be Blaine exactly. Gabbert. But I mean, is Blaine Gabbert probably better than Easton stick. Yeah. He's more experienced at least, you know, he has spent years as a starter in the NFL. Um, you know, of course he does, I think have like two interceptions this year cause he came in for a few plays early in the season. So, you know, he wants to come out and throw some touchdowns, but who knows? Uh, but I'll either way, I'll, uh, I'll take the chiefs in this meaningless weeks at week 18 game. Now, let me ask you one more question about this matchup, Alex, who are the chiefs starting wide receivers who they would want to bench for this game? <laughs> You know, oh man. So Rashi I mean, Rice. I, I would say they'll play. Ra- yeah, I mean, I think they'll play Rashi Rashi Rice only because even though you don't want him to get hurt because he's the he is obviously the number one receiver right now. Um, he's also every week getting better and a better and better he's grasp of the playbook and stuff. And so I think this experience will continue to be crucial for him to ramp him up for the playoffs. So I do think he plays. Um, I, I I I I think that you should play MVS because if he gets hurt, it won't matter anyway. Cause even when he's <laughs> on the field, he's like disappears and makes no impact. So it's probably good. So he'll, they'll, you might as well play him. And then maybe Watson, you know, because he's been the next most reliable option after rice and uh, uh, give him some more reps out there as well. So um, yeah, I think, I think the only guy they, they actually sit is probably Kadarius Tony. And that's only because, 
they're probably going to want him to be as healthy as possible. But um, but if they want to lose the game, then put him out there and throw him some passes, and he'll be sure to help <laughs> the team lose. Yeah, he might even play running back for them if they want to save save Clyde and Pacheco. Um, he, he could do it. Now, uh, I, I just want to go out, very brief tangent, and one more question for you about the Chiefs. So Marcos Valdez-Scantling, right? Uh, if the Chiefs cut him this year, it's only two mil dead cap. They save $12 million. They're It seems like they're going to do that. How much money does he make as a free agent? Man, does that's a great question. Man? Yeah, that's a great question. Contract or does he actually? Uh, I don't know. So, so he was going to make. So he was going to make twelve million. Is that what he would have made? Fourteen. His fourteen. Okay. Yeah, because they'll cost two and save twelve. Okay. So he was going to make fourteen. You know, just because I, I don't, I'll have to see what the free agent market is. It's but bad. It's not Please. good, right? So Assuming I mean, as a, and Michael Pittman Jr. are signed. Uh, back to their teams and then probably Odell uh, it would be the next up on that list and Hollywood will probably get signed back to the Cardinals besides that I mean Noah Brown's probably your best wide receiver yeah. DJ Chark it's bleak yeah so with that I mean I, I don't even I don't even necessarily think it's a guarantee the Chiefs cut him you know I mean it's looking like they should of course because he's obviously been basically non-existent and even cost them some games this year so um, but you know, I, I don't know. I, I think he could, I think he'll probably go out and get the same contract or close to it. Wow. Just familiar. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you think about that, that a lot of teams are willing to pay, you know, somewhere between 10 and 15 for a number two or number three guy. And if no one else is out there, there's gotta be some teams that like his veteran presence and he has a Super Bowl ring, uh, you know, so he certainly, and you know, to MVS's credit, you know, he he ended up being the last man standing in the AFC championship game against the Bengals last year and had his best game of the year yeah. and had some absolutely critical catches that the Chiefs would not have won that game without. So it's no hard feelings for him. Um, but I just think that, yeah, 14 million is probably the Chiefs are already pressed for cap. That's too much for him based on his production. So yeah. I think that's I think the Chiefs will move on from him. Um, but I think he could probably go get that somewhere else with a team that has a lot more cap space and is willing to take a take a flyer on a guy for a year or two. That's fair. All right. Now, I think there is one more important matchup we didn't touch on, and that is the Rams 49ers. Is that? No. No, Rams are no. in. Rams are yeah, locked. Rams are locked. Yeah, do. Rams are locked. So, And then and Christian McCaffrey has a calf strain, so he's – He's not going to play in this game, and and they of course have that one seed as well. So I, I guess it'll be more curious to see if Brock Purdy plays. They're they're really in the same position as the Ravens. You know, they have some other guys. Obviously, you think about you know Debo Samuel and George Kittle and Trent Williams, and they got some of these guys that you obviously need to keep them healthy. But is it going to impact them taking two weeks off? I don't know. So it'll be curious to see what both the 49ers and Ravens do with their uh, they're basically two weeks off. Yeah, and now before you get to your dumpster fire pick of the week, I do want to touch on a, a, a game that might you might consider. But honestly, this is the game I'm looking the most forward to, and that's the Jets-Patriots. I'm very much – I'm going to get some popcorn. I'm going to turn that on. My, I'm going to have Red Zone on the main TV. I'm going to have that game up on the side, you know. I'm going to be watching, rooting for the Patriots, which never feels great. But I think that could end up being a close game, kind of exciting. And again, Patriots win. Washington undoubtedly loses to 
the Cowboys, who have a lot to play for, and the Commanders don't. And that's just going to be a brutal, brutal game. Um, rated R. So we, uh, I, yeah, I'll be watching the Patriots Jets closely. Yeah. So, so just, just to, just to point out for everybody, uh, I think I'll have two. I'll have, a, I'll have a co dumpster fire game. That is one of the games, and then the other one to go along with that is actually going to be Denver and Las Vegas. And the reason why is that those are the only two games on the slate that do not feature a current playoff team or a team that has a chance to make the playoffs. So well done NFL. Every other game on the entire slate has a team that needs to win to get into the playoffs, right? Or, or a team that's already in the playoffs. So mm-hmm. um, overall schedule makers, well done. That's pretty good to, to have yeah. the, have that for your slate. So yeah, the co-dumpster fire game, the two games that have no meaning whatsoever. And who knows the teams may even, you know, want to lose because it helps their draft stock is going to be the Jets and the Patriots and then the Denver Broncos and the Las Vegas Raiders. Yeah, I just don't see if Belichick is gone after this season, which might not be right. He might mm-hmm. not be. But if he's gone, you really think he's going to end his tenure losing to Trevor Simeon and the Jets? No, I, I just, I just <laughs> no. don't think that happens. <laughs> I agree. He's yeah, still no, a great coach. He, he still is in terms of. Hey. A lot can happen, but who knows? Maybe Belichick is in Washington next year oh, with uh, with Williams <laughs> with, with r- rookie Williams as his uh, as his uh, quarterback. We welcome you with open arms as a defensive coordinator. <laughs> there, you <Exclusively>. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. Who knows? Sean McDermott could be on the market as well. <laughs> yeah, and honestly, just while we're at it, I I like Brandon Staley coming back as a defensive yeah coordinator. I okay. actually. I, he, he could be a defensive coordinator, a, but don't let him be a head coach. <laughs> no, no, you can't manage. And his the defense in LA was was very bad. Um, but he's a very smart human being. He's very smart. Uh, everyone who's been around him has said uh, has noted his innate intelligence. And he had very good defenses in his limited time play calling, or yeah, play calling for the defense. And he's young. So I, I actually think a team should give him a shot as a defensive coordinator. I think he's going to get it. Um, I know the the immediate reaction might be that one of disgust by many fans based on recency, but give him a chance. I think I think he'll turn it around. There you go. And I have one I have one final question for you, Cam. So right. if the and I know we'll talk about this more in the offseason, but if the commanders end up with the number two pick and draft a quarterback is Sam Howell still on the team next year? Yes. I, I think he's a backup. I don't think he's going to okay. demand uh, much trade value based on his performance and draft capital. You know, teams rightfully or not still place a, quite a lot of value. It seems based on transactions done in the past on draft capital. Right. And him being a fifth round pick who has not played well, that's just not a good recipe. So I think that he it still flashes a lot, but his his play has been unarguably poor, and I think he's developed a lot of bad habits, holding onto the ball, not maneuvering well in the pocket. I think he's afraid that he's he just knows he's going to get hit, so he doesn't really try to avoid it or maximize space, and he makes some really dumb boneheaded plays because of it. I still think that he could have a long career in the NFL, whether it is a Geno Smith or Jacoby Brissett 
funnily enough, type of <laughs> a career. Um, who knows, right? I, I think he could mature in his his game uh, gameplay. He could slow down a bit, and, and he could be just. I think he has everything needed to become a decent quarterback. So I think he stays on the team. Um, who knows after his contract ends? But yeah, if Washington drafts a quarterback, obviously they're they're gonna play that guy, right? Yep. Whether it is he- Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jaden Daniels, those seem to be the top three. I'm I'm not huge on Jaden Daniels as much as some other people. I like a couple other names, maybe a little bit more. But again, we will get into that a lot more during the offseason. Yep, yep. And you know, I was also going to be, I think, what, Bo Nix and Penix Jr. I think will also be thrown in yeah, there Yeah, and McCarthy. Well. Yeah, was, yeah, McCarthy. I think he's coming yeah. out. I don't know if he's uh, officially declared yet, but yeah. he had a decent showing, showing it yeah. so far. Yeah, and the only thing I would say about about the 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 Chase Howell um, is that – Chase Howell. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, wow, getting all my guys mixed up. Um, but the only thing about, uh, I'll say about him in um, – you know, about – I would say, Sam Howell? yeah, sorry. Sam okay. Howell. All right. Brain freeze. <laughs> Got it. So talking about <laughs> Sam Howell, the only thing, only concern I would have is if they do, if the commanders draft somebody, you know, at pick two, a quarterback, a lot of times you've seen teams want to go with a veteran backup. Right. right? And so that's where I think Sam Howell is going to be hurt. Right. If, if they decide to keep maybe Brissett around, right. Or there could be some other guy that they want to bring in and have that veteran presence. In that case, Sam Howell, I would say, is either going to go practice squad, which he'd probably get claimed by somebody else. So most likely, I think he'll be cut Uh, because um, I I just don't. Otherwise, they'd have to carry three quarterbacks, which isn't impossible. And and he could serve as like that emergency backup quarterback. There's a there is a path for him to make the roster still. But I think that if it's a new coach, new ownership, they want. I mean, you already have the new ownership. But if you have the new coach and you got the rookie QB, that's very highly touted, high draft pick. I could just see them more likely uh, letting him go, letting Sam Howe go and bringing in a veteran backup. I, I could definitely see that as well. I I think what I said in theory, Sam Howe should should stay on the team, right? You you want a young, competent backup um, mm-hmm. if your starter goes down, but you also want a veteran in there to who has experience winning games, who can come in and just yep. just win. So uh, at that point, value right or potential value of a a future trade asset that just goes out the window that doesn't matter anymore yep. so yeah who, who knows again uh Brissette is not currently on contract for next year but he very well could end up coming back yep all right well with that um i gotta give everybody a heads up that next week of course when we do our show the playoff brackets will be set so you will get to hear our predictions for the entire playoffs so we're going to look in the crystal ball and tell you what's going to happen so definitely tune in for our show next week. We're going to be picking the winners of each game as, of course, uh, revealing our updated Super Bowl matchups and Super Bowl picks. So definitely want to tune in for that. That's going to be a fun show prepping for the playoffs. So make sure you don't miss that. Um, and other than that, um, it's been a really fun season. Cam, you got any uh, closing thoughts uh, on this show and just kind of this particular uh, season in general? Well, I again, it, it's been a super fun season. Thank you, everyone who's, who's been with us so far. Again, we are going to keep going uh, all the way through the offseason. Just continue to be a year-round podcast. But we started up brand new this season. Neither of us had had much experience uh, doing anything like this before. So it has been a blast. And yeah, as you said, make sure to tune in next week because 
we are going over the playoff predictions and we will be 100% correct. Of course. (laughs) Tune in. And in the meantime, have a great weekend watching the last week of the regular season. Make sure to follow us, uh, subscribe, comment. If you will, we are on YouTube, uh, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And with that, we will see you next week. Peace. Peace.